0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm Trevor Lane for LakersNation.com. Lakers coming off of that buzzer-beating loss to the Pacers. Yikes. We need to talk a little bit about that, chat a little bit about what this team does moving forward, the trade market, all sorts of other things. Joining me is Ron Gutterman from LakersNation.com as well as Dodgers.com now. Ron, how are you doing? And Congrats, man.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's a Dodger Insider, uh, mainly where, where I'll be working. But, yeah, okay. working right right at Dodger Stadium, this is my new home office. But uh, yeah, it's good to be on. Uh, not so great after such, such a terrible loss uh, on Monday night, but you know, th- this is what it is at this point. Yeah. So,
1: so Ron, let me give you just kind of a you know peek behind the curtain here. So I, you know, we don't, we don't do this show. We don't do this stuff just because, you know, Oh, this is a gig or something like that. No, where did we do this show? Because we're passionate about this team. Um, Last night's post game show we're, we're recording this uh, Tuesday evening. Last night's post game show for me was probably the most difficult of the season. I was frustrated. I think people could tell when they are watching the show I was I was I was right there with every, everybody else who was commenting. I was not pleased with what we saw out of that one and I woke up in a bad mood this morning like the first thing that was on my mind when my eyes popped open was that buzzer beating three. And I was just angry all over again. Uh, this did not sit well with me. I don't know. How did you react? Because you we didn't get to hear from you last night. How did you react uh, to what happened? And has it been sticking with you the, the same way? Or is that just me?
2: You know, it's so interesting. Like over the past, I don't know, couple of years, uh, regardless of the Lakers, I've, I've tried to work really hard as a person on like not letting – Sports affect my mood, um, like Wise. just enjoying sports for what they are, and not letting letting it affect like how I feel as an individual. Mm-hmm. And I every time I feel like I'm progressing and doing a good job of that, uh, a game like Mondays happens, and I'm right back to square one. Like <laughs> because I thought with the Lakers that I was like they can't hurt me anymore. Like I I'm past it. And then Monday happened, and I was like, "Yeah, you know what? Just when just when I thought I was over it, they they wrote me right back in and anger me in just the most ridiculous way possible, blowing a seventeen point lead, buzzer beater three to Andrew Nemhard, the rookie. Uh, it's just we we knew like we were saying all last week, don't overlook the Pacers, mm-hmm. but they were up seventeen in the fourth. Clearly, they didn't overlook the Pacers, and Until they still. They did.
1: <laughs> they, they they didn't they didn't overlook the Pacers for three and a half quarters almost, and then suddenly at the end went oh yeah we're good we've got this let's let's not play basketball anymore yeah that was it it's brutal uh, I like the way that that you you described that in terms of thinking that they can't hurt you anymore and then it turns out
2: uh, they actually I really can thought, I, re- I really thought the only the only team that I like have given up on not letting them affect my mood. Uh, is the Eagles. like I've given up that battle. They will affect my mood for the rest of my life. I know it. But I've given up that battle with the other teams I thought I had gotten to that point. And Monday was a really sick and cruel reminder Mm. that at the end of the day, we're all just, you know, we're all just dumb sports fans. And this is what we are.
1: <laughs> Matt, the optimist Peralta would probably have a really good relationship analogy to, to throw in here to piggyback sure. off, what, off what you said there. But he's, uh, uh, he's
2: uh, uh, parading around Japan.
1: He is right now. He is. He's he's cruising around Japan at, at the moment. I'm sure he's he's thinking of relationship analogies as well. Hopefully he's distanced enough to where he he wasn't too affected by that one. But man, it really hit. And I'll tell you what, Ron, it and I know a lot of fans felt the same way that, that we did. They were just I mean, just down and just it was such a gut punch to go through that. Um, but I was really concerned this morning. I went, oh, my gosh. If the U.S. loses to Iran in the World Cup, <laughs> I'm not going to handle that well. Like, I'm I'm already, you know, on edge. Like, the U.S. needs to win this game. Otherwise, I'm going to – and then it wound up being – you know, I'm sitting there. I was watching that game in my U.S. jersey. I'm, you know, and I'm on pins and needles the entire time. I, I'm on the edge of my seat. That was, like – I was exhausted after that game. And I think it was because it piggybacked on that Lakers game. I I had even more writing on it because it wasn't just, hey, the the U.S.'s first World Cup in eight years. It was I needed some type of positivity back back in my life in the sports world. Yeah, that was so that was um, that was a trying experience as well. But at least they they got the win.
2: Yeah, I'll give you a little peek behind the curtain of my other job. So I'm at Dodger Stadium uh, and the way basically all of marketing and broadcast like everything that falls under that umbrella uh has one like big office space which with a bunch of different rooms a bunch of different offices and every office has its own tv largely because sometimes we watch dodgers games from there like when there's you know the press box is full or people are doing whatever um every single tv was on that usa iran game today Mm -hmm. everyone was watching it there was loud eruption in the office when when the goal came uh, from from Pulisic. Uh, it was it was a truly uplifting experience after what happened Monday night. Uh, so j- just like you said, it was very necessary for for the U.S. to get that win and, and clinch their spot in the knockouts.
1: That's right. That's right. And to, to me, I don't you know I don't want to go to soccer podcast here or whatever. But to me, they got out of the group stage. Now they're playing with house money. Whatever happens from here, I'm, I'm good. Right? I mean, because they're they're what the one of the youngest, if not the youngest team in the World Cup. Like I'm not expecting this team to go super far or whatever. But you got out of the group stage. You did what you house needed money. to do. You've got your World Cup experience. Now, now look, if you if you get an upset win coming up on Saturday, great. But if you don't, I, I don't look at this as a as a loss name. But now again, like I said, it's house money from here on out.
2: Now the question becomes. If the U.S. is playing with house money, what are the Lakers playing with? Because I think it's whatever the dead opposite of house money is.
1: (laughs) The Lakers have taken out like 10 lines of credit and they're all coming due right now. That's that's what they're playing with at this point. Like they've got the bank accounts
2: run dry.
1: (laughs) The Lakers have taken their last. The Lakers are down to like five dollars. And they've got to win and then win again and then win again. And they've got to figure out a way to compound that money into a lot more money because they're so far in the hole. And then even if they can do that, that's just going to pay off their debts in order to get back to even. That's where the Lakers are at,
2: right? Looking okay, at accounts on overdraft. like it Exactly. Is all types of mess.
1: Yes, yes. That's that's where we're at. And I guess that's that's a good place to, to pick things up here. So where do the Lakers go from, from this point? I mean – I think this team has been playing better basketball recently, and they did for three and a half quarters against the Pacers. They looked really—they looked like the much better team. They were dominant in some stretches, and yet they still found a way to lose that game. So how should we feel about the Lakers right now? Because as of this moment, we are right around a quarter of the way done with, with the season, which is crazy to think about. But where do the Lakers really stand um, in your mind?
2: You know, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of I've kind of slotted into this role here in our, our organization as the, the pessimist. Um, <laughs> right. so I'm going to do a little bit of channeling of, of both myself as a pessimist and I'm going to channel Matt Peralta in uh, in international waters. I'm going to try to do a little bit of both. OK, on, on the pessimistic side, I would say the Lakers have six wins and three of them are against the San Antonio Spurs who are actively trying to lose all of their games. Um, so I look at that and I say they're three and 11 against teams that are actually trying to win basketball well, games.
1: They've, they've got seven wins. Don't, don't try to take one win. they don't have enough Sorry. of them to where we can omit any wins. they have, they have seven, Sorry. they have seven. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> if, if they, if they had like 15 one, wins my- or something and you said 14, we can just let it slide. <laughs> oh yeah.
2: But si- you're right. You're right. Six and seven. So I'm going to make sure. Yeah, you're right. Seven and twelve. i yep, You're seven right. and
1: twelve right now. It should be it's eight and eleven. And
2: yeah. Three, three uh, of those seven wins are against the San Antonio Spurs. Mm-hmm. They're four and twelve against non San Antonio Spurs teams. So the pessimist in me is saying uh, that something is very, very wrong, and this team is not very good because if they were better, they would have more than four wins against non Spurs opponents. Mm-hmm. The optimist in me says. That even in their losses, they have looked good for significant stretches yeah. in a lot of these games. Um, they they have found ways, like they have found ways to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory a lot this season. But in order to do that, you have to be good enough to build leads. Like we think about the, you know, if we're doing all types of sports today, I'm going to move over to the NFL. Uh, look at the Baltimore Ravens this season. Mm. They've had a 10-point lead or greater in all but one of their games, and they're like almost 500. They're like hovering 500 because they can't seem to hold on to leads, but they're good enough to get the leads. So somewhere in there, Darvin Ham and his coaching staff need to put their heads together and figure out what is it that's getting us these leads and how do we stop the inevitable collapse from happening?
1: Yeah, I heard from... One fan in particular, now I did not watch the Pacers feed, so I can't confirm this personally, but they said that what really stuck, and I think this was a message that I got um, after the game, um, somebody reached out and said that they watched the Pacers feed and the Pacers announcers just kept saying, just keep playing, the Lakers will let you back into the game. And that's, that's basically what happened, was the Lakers ultimately just let the Pacers back into this game. And so they have to figure out, how do we, how do we put a stop to that? And I've seen a lot of fans who have put a lot of the blame for what's gone on, on Darvin ham and for his, his rotations. And part of me agrees with that. I mean, in general, when you get something rolling, when you get some positivity, when something is working, you don't want to sub in that moment. And you especially don't want to take out the player that seems to be hot. And yet Darvin ham seems to consistently do that, um, how much of of what's gone on do you think is darvin ham being a rookie coach is that has that been a factor and was that a factor against the pacers
2: yeah i think i think rookie coaches it's 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 funny to call darvin ham a rookie coach because yes right. he's a rookie head coach but he's been around this league for so long he is so uh highly respected around the nba um but he is a rookie head coach and i think Sometimes, and this isn't just a rookie thing. I think this is a head coach thing in general. Um, you get a little bit set in your ways in terms of this is the rotation I came into the season mm-hmm. planning for and no one's going to tell me that it's wrong. Um, and I think he's in a little bit of that phase right now where he's still, he needs to flip his mindset of, okay, it, I need to make adjustments based on what's happening right in front of me. I think he's made decent game-to-game adjustments. Like, you know, if, if something doesn't go right in a game, the next game you will see kind of a difference. Yeah. But the in-game rotational adjustments have been a bit of a struggle um, where, you know, if you have a player, let's say Russ. Russ is on a hot streak. He's shooting well. He's, you know, he's he's passing the ball, moving it rocking around. Rocking the baby. Yeah, Yeah. rocking the baby. He's, he's Russ. Classic Russ. If Darvin Ham went into that game saying – I'm going to take him out at the three minute mark of the third quarter. Even if Russ is rolling, he still will take him out at the three minute mark of the third quarter. Now the next game, he might say, okay, I'll leave Russ until the two minute mark, Mm -hmm. but in game is where the adjustment is not happening. And I think that's kind of something that it might be a rookie head coach thing, but I think it's a general coaching thing of people get set in their ways. And I think that's one thing Darvin Ham needs to fix, but With that said, that is one critique I have of him. And I think anyone who has... There are several fair critiques of Darvin Ham. But he is working with what I firmly believe to be a broken roster. And so it's it's hard for me to put all the blame on him Mm -hmm. when the Lakers are at their best playing with maybe seven legitimate NBA rotation players. it's really hard for me to place all the blame on him when I look at this roster and I say, I don't know how many good players there are on this team.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll agree that I think there wasn't enough. We're not seeing enough flexibility from Darvin ham in order to make adjustments on the fly. And I think there is probably some truth to what you're saying about, you know, Hey, this is the game plan going in. So, Oh shoot. You know, Russ just got hot and, and dished a great dime to Wendy and Gabriel. Oh, but you know what? My plan says it's time to sub Russ out. So sorry, Russ. Got to sub you out even though you're kind of fueling the team right now and steering the ship. That kind of adjustment, I'd like to see a little bit more flexibility in. where you don't see, you know, it's, oh, hey, Russ has got it going. Let's leave him in for another two minutes and I can adjust on the back end in another way or I can switch this up here because we got to win this game. Um, Look, coming from teaching, I knew. I knew every time when I made a lesson plan, when I walked into a class, a room full of junior high kids, I went, "Okay, I know this isn't going to go according to plan. I'm going to have to be flexible. I'm going to have to think on my feet and I'm going to have to switch things up because that's just the way life is when you're teaching junior high. That's the way life is when you're coaching uh, at at the professional level. Nothing is going to go exactly as you planned it out. And I would like to see a little bit more flexibility from Darvin in terms of his substitution pattern because it really does feel like he's pulling guys out simply because that's what he had planned to do in that moment and not factoring in whether that player is on a hot streak or not or whether that player is is providing something for the team. I'll, I'll also tell you what. This is the other thing that's driving fans crazy right now, and I'm, I'm right there with them. Um, the four-guard rotations are... It's and he's gotten a little bit better because now we're seeing there were there were some moments there where where it was like, at one point there was a rotation that had Schroeder, Russ none, and then it was like, Austin Reeves or something you know so Austin Bobby. Reeves at six five is the power forward yeah. nominally right and then AD and so now we're starting to see more of like Troy Brown is the four or something like that. Or if Austin is the biggest player on the floor, he's also joined by Lonnie who at least has a little bit more size than like Non or something, but, but it's still bottom line. It's still four guards. And then like, I mean, sometimes when but usually Anthony Davis, those rotations, just, fe- it feels like that's just gotta be that, that has to be banished except for a, a pure emergency situation. Right?
2: Yeah. I mean, in a vacuum. Absolutely. Right. Like you can't have four guard lineups or even, you know, three guards and like a smaller Austin Reeves forward type, right? Like you can't do that. But again, this is where I come back to. I look at this Lakers roster and I say, where are the power forwards? Like, you know, Anthony Davis is a power forward, but he's playing a lot of center so far this season. Mm -hmm. LeBron is a power forward at this stage in his career. Um, but outside of LeBron at the power forward position, Juan Toscano Anderson, uh Thomas Bryant is a five, Damian Jones is firmly out of this rotation, Wenyan Gabriel is like a four small ball five, so he's solid, but it's like where where are the fours? <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And, and Ham was lamenting the offensive boards, which we saw. Um the, the final play of the game was an offensive board that they yeah. that they gave up. Um, But also, like when you're putting out such a small lineup, you should expect to get bullied on the boards. I mean, that's that's what happens. So I, I personally would like to see more Wendy and Gabriel in the mix. Maybe it's more Thomas Fry, but I, I do think it goes back though to something that you just mentioned: uh, Juan O Anderson, JTA, Damian Jones, both have basically been unplayable. And when we looked at this roster build going in, even assuming that both of those guys would be able to log minutes, we were saying this team needs more wings. This team needs more size.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We saw last year, our Lakers team, where the guys they really needed to be productive and be on the floor, and particularly Trevor Ariza, just for that skill set, were not able to give the Lakers, what they needed. Uh, We're not able to do those things. And those guys missing really hurt the the team overall. um, In addition to like a million other things from last season, but (laughs) we're kind of seeing that play out again this year where the guys, they really like, okay, if Kendrick Nunn is terrible all season long, you've got like six other guards, right? No, no big deal. (laughs) But JTA not being able to get on the floor, Damian Jones not being able to get on the floor. Those are pretty damaging things, given the way this roster is constructed.
2: Yeah, and I remember last year we were taught, we had this conversation plenty of times. Um, Trevor Ariza was borderline unplayable the whole year, Mm -hmm. but do you remember in rare stretches, Trevor Ariza became like a competent NBA player, and the Lakers all of a sudden looked good. Like there was, there was always every few games or so you'd get this like ten minute stretch where Trevor Ariza looked really good randomly. And it almost directly correlated with the Lakers looking good. And it was because the Lakers were so desperate for a true 3-and-D wing that if one even played to a competent NBA level, all of a sudden the Lakers looked really good. And I think we're seeing a repeat of that this year, where like if Juan Toscano Anderson was literally playable, the Lakers yep. would look a lot better because you'd have so much more flexibility and versatility in your lineups. But if he's not playable, now all of a sudden it's Austin Reeves playing the three, which Austin Reeves is a good basketball player, but he's not a three. He's a two. Like you have Troy Brown Jr. playing a four in some lineups. When he's yeah. really barely a three, he's more of like a big two. Um. So it's it's really difficult, but – as much as Darwin Ham does have things that are like legitimate criticisms, um, I think this really just boils again back to roster construction.
1: Yeah, I mean, look. Even if let's say JTA was playable, even if you don't want to go to to Wenyon, you want whatever you want more switchability, whatever it is. If your small lineup was Davis, JTA, Troy Brown Jr., Austin Reeves, which again, that's not a big lineup. Right. Your second biggest guy is 6'6, but that's so different than what the Lakers are putting out there right now. I mean, it's a massive difference.
2: Yeah. That that is a defensively switchy lineup that offensively, if JTA is playing to a competent level, is that that's a lineup that can do things offensively, but is really versatile on the defensive end Mm -hmm. and would really suffocate teams because everyone can guard everyone reasonably. Not no one's outside of Anthony Davis. No one's an all-star defensively in that lineup, but like they can all competently defend multiple positions and the Lakers just don't have enough of those guys that are playing to a high level right now. And I think we're, we're seeing that problem take place almost every night that they're not playing the San Antonio Spurs.
1: So I've got one of the carryover super chats from uh, the post game show from Avi B said as uh, says that essentially says Russ's money equals three, three and D other players. Is that really what it comes down to? Like if the Lakers had three other three and D players, then JTA struggles to be part of the rotation wouldn't be as big of a deal. Um, we <laughs> talked a little bit before we came on here. Those three players, we, we might be a little bit fam- familiar with too. Um, but there, I think there's some truth to that. Like that's, that's part of just the, the, the problem with this team, the foundational problem with this team is that you really should have three more quality players on this roster instead. Of, and again, Russ hasn't been bad this season, no, but he, he should be three three other players.
2: But like, if you took the roster as it exists now, you took away Russ, you took away Patrick Beverly, and you took mm-hmm. away Juan Toscano Anderson. And in their place is Alex Caruso, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and Kyle Kuzma. All of a sudden, the Lakers are legitimately eight or nine players deep and it's a really good you there's a lot of lineup combos you can do there you can go small with kcp at the three and kuzma at the four and ad at the five you can go big and put kuzma at the three with or lebron kuzma ad Mm -hmm. uh you can you just can do you can do so many things (laughs) that you just can't do with this roster and so Again, this is not a Russ thing. Russ has been good this year, just outright good. Mm-hmm. But when you pay forty-seven million dollars to a player who's been good, you need great. You, you need great. And if he's going to only be good, you'd rather the forty-seven million be divvied up into three good players, not just right. one.
1: Absolutely. So, what's the answer here then? Is it are we right back to the Lakers have to make a trade? Is that is that really where we're? And we keep here the goalpost keeps getting moved. Right. First, we heard oh after Thanksgiving. Then it was well twenty five games. Then it became well maybe December fifteenth. Now Dave McMenamin is saying well maybe yeah. mid January. January. Like th- this team needs a trade, like now. Right.
2: I mean, in essence, yes. But what I keep going back to, and what we've talked about so many times now, is at what point do you look at this team and say like I know the report came out a couple days ago where it was like. The Lakers internally believe they're a couple players away.
1: Uh, when, who is it that thinks they're a couple of players away? Well, it's, I'm sure it's LeBron and AD, right? Who yeah. believe they're a couple of players away. And so you want to put that out there so that the front office will do something the pressure. and not, the pressure and not just say, and not just say, well, let's, let's go ahead and punt.
2: But realistically, like you and I, you and I, uh, you know, we, we've watched enough games of this team. We've watched enough games of this franchise, like this organization as they're currently structured to say that I don't think that they're just a couple of players away unless the players are like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving like, combined. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I don't think there are a couple of players away. I think they are a lot more than that. And so when I look at a trade, I say, I, I just think to myself, like what, what trade is worth doing that's actually going to do something this year? Because I know that there's there was a little bit of optimism when they went on that little win streak, they beat the Spurs a couple times, and then they were killing the Pacers through three and a half quarters. There was a little bit of optimism that started bubbling up to the surface. Um, but I think the last eight minutes of that Pacers game is a cruel reminder of they are more than just like a couple of pieces away. Um, they're, they're not that good. And I think it, it's hard to imagine a trade that, Vaults them into really good without completely sacrificing any potential future building of teams you can do.
1: So that's the other thing, and I talked about this on the post game show. Um, that loss to the Pacers it was incredibly damaging in terms of the standings. Um, the Lakers were in a position to potentially climb up the standings a bit, and they fumbled that away. Uh, they were building momentum. That's gone now. Um, They're going to have to try to reclaim that. But bigger picture, how big of a setback is that for the, towards the push to actually getting a a deal done? Does the front office look at this and go up? See, you're not good enough. Why give up the picks? We're not going to do a deal on that. Like, and I get like fans hate that. Fans hate that concept, right? They are so upset with the front office for that mentality because they look at it, and I've heard this many, many times from uh, tons of fans. They look at it as the front office, put the roster together, put together a roster. That's not good enough to win. And then says you need to win in order to prove that you're good enough for us to make a trade. Oh, but we didn't give you a roster good enough to win with. Right. So there's, there's that that's built in. There's the built in frustration of the front office is responsible for putting the roster together and then holding it over them when they're, they're not winning. Hey, we're not going to help you unless you win. Um, but nonetheless, what is what does all of that come down to? Like, does does the front office then just look at this situation and say, "Well, clearly you're not good enough, so we're not going to do a trade"? Does that because if, if so, if that's the case, then this loss to the Pacers could wind up being damaging beyond just one game.
2: Yeah, you know we'll we'll have to see because they go on a little bit of a stretch here against some really good basketball teams. Yeah. Um, Brutal. you know, their, their next seven games are, I think mostly against winning like playoff caliber teams.
1: It feels like, like, what has it been? Maybe 85% of the games this season. It feels like it's probably more like 70% or something, but I mean, they've played just an insane, their first 10, 10, 11, 12 games was insane. It led up a little bit with a few games against the Spurs, but then it picks right back up again. Like, I, I'm blown away by how many difficult games they're in night in and night out um, yeah. and it's and like you said it's gonna get it's gonna get bad again and it feels like it we just got a chance to breathe and now it's uh you're right back into the deep end.
2: I mean and if you look at the NBA standings, like it may be a scheduling thing, but it also could be there are a lot of good teams. 18 yeah. of the 30 teams are 500 or better like that uh, right now a lot of the losses, are kind of compiled to, like, four or five teams.
1: Yeah. And the Lakers have played one of them.
2: Yeah. They played the Spurs, and that's it. San Antonio and Houston have... Oh, no, wait. They played the Pistons. Like, San Antonio, Houston, Charlotte, and Orlando have 15 losses each. Detroit has 18. Like, all the losses are kind of compiled within those five teams. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of good teams. And so there, there just may not be a break in the schedule. So you look at the Lakers next you know six games uh trailblazers trailblazers i believe bucks yeah trailblazers bucks wizards Cavs, raptors sixers that's their next six those teams are all over 500 and they're all i mean outside i think the wizards are the worst team in that group which tells you a lot about that group um so now it turns it, that
1: game into a must win, that Wizards game into a must win. And it's not a gimme.
2: It's not a gimme, but it's a must win. And I think like this is where, we're, you, you know, you're asking about was that loss to the Pacers now? Like, does it become bigger than just the one loss? And I think if they go one and five in their next six, I think you're going to point to that Pacers game and say, had they won that, mm-hmm. they would have had momentum going into this stretch. They would have felt confident going into this stretch, and worse, and all things like if all things fell apart, they would have had another win going into that stretch. Just yeah. to have it on the record books, you are eight and eleven instead of seven and twelve. Um, and so, if if they struggle in this stretch here against these really good teams, yeah, this is going to become bigger than one loss.
1: Mm. They've got quite a challenge ahead of them um, by dropping this game to the Pacers. They pretty much they've got to make up for that somewhere. Um, yeah. I don't think beating the Blazers does it. Like you'd have to beat a team. I'm not like expecting you, them to beat the Bucks, but you'd you have to can beat
2: steal of win against the Bucks. I'm just like, I'm throwing away that. Game. Oh, I'm,
1: I'm I'm resting guys that game if yeah. I'm the Lakers. If if I'm, if if AD anything's going on there, LeBron, no, that's that's your rest game. I think that's got to be their mentality. By the way, moving forward, it's got to be all rest hands on deck team. for any of the winnable games. Every uh, any games against the top tier teams, just if everybody's healthy fine but otherwise those are the games you target to to have guys like, sit. okay
2: i'll I'll tell you like the uh let's let's skip the portland game let's go on the six game road trip right yeah. now you and me um here's a scenario where i would where if the lakers came out of it with this i would be like okay like wow they really showed something if they can beat the wizards so the pistons obviously beat the pistons to end the road trip for sure Mm -hmm. If they can win two of the Wizards, Cavs, Raptors and Sixers games, I would probably pencil the Wizards and the Sixers as the most likely wins there because the Sixers have so many injuries. Right. Um, I would pencil in the Wizards and Sixers if they can win two of that four game stretch and then beat the Pistons. They have to follow through and actually beat the win like the beatable team. Then I would walk away from that road trip saying, "Okay." Like there may be something there. Yeah. But if they're worse than that, whoof that hard get, to convince for myself.
1: Yeah. That's where things get difficult. And it's and it's hard too when you're seeing Anthony Davis have such a great run here in the last couple of weeks. He's been absolutely fantastic. Um, it's hard to not feel like, you know what, if he keeps doing this, how can you not give this guy help when he's he's putting up the numbers that he is? But We'll see ultimately where this goes. Ron, this is this has gotten de- gotten depressing. Now I'm sad again. <laughs> again.
2: Well okay, what, what's a what's a good uh, lively topic we can do to close out <laughs> close out this lovely Tuesday night podcast? <laughs>
1: oh man. Well, I've got I do have one more uh, super chat. We need to get it well. I guess it's not that positive anyway. Maddie James said uh, that he's hoping before next game that the coaches show the team the heartbreaking buzzer beater the light a fire under them so they'll close out games better um and look i'm sure the guys are going to be kicking themselves for that just as much as lakers fans are lamenting that i'm sure they are are having a difficult time with all of that as well um a positive to close out on again the u.s advancing through the stage. i gotta go to a different sport uh the u.s advancing through the group stage
2: uh, i can Talk stick about. to basketball my uh my JV team is currently four and two. Oh, okay. Uh, to, start, to start our season, to start an out of conference play. I like that. So four like and that. two. Yeah, we, we got a game tomorrow. Try to go to five and two. Uh, um,
1: Anthony Davis's play has been fantastic. Yeah. He's been, he's been really, really good. Um, he's phenomenal. So that's something there. Are you worried about LeBron?
0: This is the story of the one.
2: I'm okay. So, like, I'm worried in the sense that, like, I think he had, like, I think he's lost a bit of a step mm-hmm. defensively, especially. I yeah, think he's missed, been he's been missing a lot of rotations. He's been late. He's been getting beat off the dribble. I'm also noticing offensively that um, he still can get whatever he wants when he has the head of steam, but I'm noticing that he needs more space to start the head of steam than he used to. Yeah. Like it's taking more dribbles to get to the head of steam than it used to. Like two years ago, it was, he didn't need a dribble. He was just head down to the basket. No one's stopping him. Now he kind of needs a little bit of a running start. Um, so I, I think he has kind of lost a step, um, but he's, you know what? Like this was expected. What's more worrisome to me than that fact is the fact that, the Lakers knew this day was coming. Where he wasn't, where he was, he's still a star. He's still an all-star level player, mm. but he's not the best player in the league anymore, and he probably will never be that again, because um, you know, Father Time is undefeated. Right. But what? Damn you, more
1: Jason Mama?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's more worrisome to me is that the Lakers knew knew this as well as anybody that one day he was going to be a step slow. Mm-hmm. And they did not build a roster that was prepared for that. And, no. and so I think if they had a better roster right now, a more coherent, cohesive roster, I would look at it and say, yeah, LeBron's lost a step, but this roster is good enough to help him transition to a new style that will preserve his game longer. This roster as it's currently built is not built for LeBron to like, age gracefully because he's being forced to do too much. Yeah. And so that's more worrisome to me than the actual loss of a step, which we all knew was going to happen. And even for LeBron, losing a step is still the dude that can get you 30 on any given night. So he's still insane. Like he's still still insanely good, but he's he's clearly like not. And I don't know if it's the injury or if it's a combination of injury and age, but he's just a step slower than he was two years ago. That's fine.
1: And he's got to have the right pieces around him. Yeah, yeah, at this point, he's got to have just the right pieces, and uh, and he doesn't right now. That's that's for sure. Um, Austin Reeves is really good at basketball. He's he he, very good. He's been been excellent. So that's another another positive. Uh, especially his passing has been been phenomenal. His shooting's been great. He's, he's being
2: more efficiently than he was last year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, he looks a little. This is more like. Remember when the Alex Caruso comparisons first started going around, yeah. and we kept saying. Wait, he's nothing like Alex Caruso. Pump the brakes on that, yeah. He's more, he's more offensive-minded. Like he, but he wasn't showing those things on the court, right? We kept saying like, he's a more offensive-minded player than Alex Caruso. Um, and this year, we're seeing what that means, right? Like He's a knockdown shooter. His passing is really, really solid. You can see the way his mind works on the mm-hmm. offensive end. That is just a bit better than Alex Caruso. Now, Alex Caruso is a much better defender than Austin Reeves, even though Austin Reeves is very good but Alex Crusoe is like a top 10 defender in the NBA. Um, So that's just different levels. But I think we're seeing like what we thought Austin Reeves was at the beginning of last year. And now it's starting to click a little bit more.
1: It is. It is. Just in time for him to hit free agency next summer. And that's another <laughs> front Fantastic. office issue. But, <laughs> but no, I am not going to finish on that. We're going to finish wow. talking that about how... Tough.
2: How great Austin That's normally has, what I say. That's crazy. Has,
1: has been, yeah, I know. This is the this is the world we're living in right now, though. Hopefully the Lakers can get a win against the Blazers. will it be tonight by the time most of you are watching this or listening to this. Um, and then head out of the road at least with the win gonna be important. Uh the Clippers beat the Blazers uh by six. So hopefully the Blazers don't come in looking for revenge and fired up off of off of that one, and they're able to uh Give the Lakers a W because the Lakers certainly need it right now. But let's wrap things up there. Ron, thanks so much for coming on. Always fun talking uh, Lakers basketball with you.
2: Yeah, of course. Always great to be on.
1: All right, everybody. Make sure you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. If you listen to the podcast version of this, go follow us over on Apple Podcasts. Give us that five-star rating and review. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why?